You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Man, if first and foremost, if we think we're showing up to work in order to evaluate our boss and see if they're worthy of respect, then we don't have a pure heart. We've already violated the first part. You want to go in with a pure heart. And then second, out of that pure heart, a good attitude should be a part of that. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, and we're continuing our Incorruptible Love series. We've only got two weeks left after this, believe it or not, going through the book of Ephesians. Today, I'm joined by two special guests. First, we're joined by Dr. Sean Stover. Sean, thanks for being here. Love being here. Absolutely. And lead pastor Jose Avaroa is in the house. Yes, Jose, thanks for be being here. here. Well. Thank you, Sean, Taylor. I'd love to give you the first word as you delivered a great message on Sunday. We'd love to get your thoughts kind of behind the scenes as you were first given this passage. What was going through your mind? You did a good job on Sunday kind of giving us a little behind the scenes, but I'd love to kind of hear you elaborate a little more on, on that as you put all the message together. I love the chance that I got to teach on this little passage of the Bible. Again, my first impression was slaves and masters and the the way those words put me off. But honestly, this idea of what it looks like to work in such a way that we honor the Lord and lead people that work for us in such a way that's honoring to the Lord and glorifying to Him uh, is just super encouraging for me and challenging to me and very applicable in my life. I get to play both of those roles in various places. And so at the end of the day, I was really thankful to get to to watch and, and play out this passage because it's just relevant to everybody. We yeah. all find ourselves in some level or area where we're under authority or we have some authority, knowing how to do that in a way that ultimately points people to Jesus and doesn't in any way push him away. Mm-hmm. Super important. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Ooh. What was your easiest job? What was <laughs> the hardest job that you that you've had, Taylor? Go first. Well, I've only had two I'm jobs. Sorry. So you've only had two uh, jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told that my community group when that got oh, asked. So I was like, let's just skip right to the chase. Is the boss you have right now <laughs> the worst boss that you have ever had that violates every principle that <laughs> no, we talked no, about no. in the message? No, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's hard for me. I mean, it's, it's easy and hard for me to answer that question. I only got I only had two jobs. But Sean, I don't know what you would add. I have had some rough jobs. Uh, after after undergrad, uh, I was wanted to get to graduate school. Well, I had to get some work experience, and so I went to work in this residential treatment center. It's like a mental hospital, basically, just a oh, better way to say it. And it was these teenagers, and uh, so I, I was low man on the totem pole. I'd get the night shift, and so these kids would get some of them would get really riled up at night, or the medication would get off track. And they would be doing damage to their room or, you know, damage to their roommate. And so we had to go in there. And, uh, man, I was a rock-solid 5-foot, 10, 140-pound dude going in there. And uh, these kids, man, these teenagers, when they're hyped up and oh, mentally out of it, they would come at me. They would, wow. and, and it was dangerous, like, because we had certain ways to restrain them that were legal and appropriate. And uh, they had no rules whatsoever. So biting, spitting, kicking, poking you in the eye. All right, you win. That's uh, the hardest job. (laughs) What was the the easiest? That was my worst job. (laughs) Everyone Uh, since then. (laughs) Man, the easiest job I have is getting to be on staff here at Cypress Creek Church. Yeah, the people are amazing. I get to work for, get to work with. Such a great opportunity. No, I 
I've had a lot of green some brown. You got some brown on your nose. I've had a, yeah, <laughs> oh a lot of green you, <laughs> you, Jose, you've had a lot of jobs yourself. What would you yeah, say? Yeah, uh, driving Uber was the easiest job. That It doesn't get much easier than driving a car and getting paid for it, especially when you're in traffic because their amount that they're <laughs> you know paying for it just goes up, up, up. So I, I drove uh, Uber when I lived in D.C. I called it my DD job, diapers and dates. That's what I used that money for. Oh. I, I would pay uh, for Ayla's diapers because she was a, a, a newborn and then take Taylor out on dates. Um, and then the hardest job, I, I'd say uh, captionist. I, I was a captionist in, in, in college, so I'd go to school or go to class with uh, students that were hearing impaired. So I had to type everything that the professor would say, and obviously you'd miss things. And so there's the tension and stress. Student can't, you know, keep up with what's being told and you're wanting to make sure that you catch everything and spell everything right. So Hour for hour, minute for minute, definitely the hardest. That's tough. Hardest, That's hardest tough. Job. But nothing compared to what you. Well, speaking <laughs> of diapers and dates, I don't know. I can't remember which of the messages they posted, but uh, if you were there live, one of them, I actually was talking about a job I had, like mucking stalls for horses. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I meant to say, you know, to, take, to go on for date money. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and then yeah. Christina yells out from the audience, well, it wasn't with me, because I was actually before I. <laughs> Endearing when I met her. So that was like, uh, so just know, man, the live examples that come to mind that you don't play out ahead of time before you say them out loud, (laughs) at least in my case. They will come out and bite you right then and there. I know for you, Jose, you don't get that yelled out. You have to get home right later that day. And you're like, hey, and and Taylor's like, why? Hey, why why did you you say that? that? (laughs) No, that question was on the community group outline and and brought up a lot of fun conversations this week. Uh, But going back to the work conversation, why is it important for us? to even just talk about work. I know it's it's in the Bible, it's in this passage, so we you know we can't quite get in Paul's head of why he included this, but I just think it's worth noting, we've talked about the significance of the order in this, talking about marriage first, then parenting, but just even the fact that he included work, included um, just even from, in this context, slaves and masters, and why do y'all both think that's super important just as believers as we go about living our lives? I think for a couple of reasons. One, it's where we spend the majority of our time. I mean, if we're sleeping a good chunk of a day, uh, hopefully if we're in a healthy rhythm, and then we're at work for a good chunk of the day. So I w- I'm glad that he speaks to it and doesn't just lop that part of our life off and, and do personal relationships because our work relationships are critical. And second, because honestly, our opportunity for evangelism and to be ambassadors for Christ is probably most powerful in the workplace for most of us. That's when we're around people who are more dissimilar to us than we are in our private lives where we choose our friends and we want to be around people who are like-minded in those situations. But at work, Mm -hmm. we're around people that don't know the Lord necessarily or don't have the same faith walk that we do and how we conduct ourselves and how we hold ourselves out in those situations is a way to win people over. Yeah, and Sean, you did a good job talking about slaves, bond servants, and and speaking to the historical cultural context. And, um, you know, it was a third of the population there in Ephesus, a third of the Roman Empire, as you said. And so, um, you know, that's a pretty extreme type of employee scenario. They don't have a lot of freedom. And so uh, sometimes we think in, in our jobs, man, I can't wait till I have that promotion or I can't wait till I have that job. But he's saying that wherever you are in your work, whatever your position is, whether that's a bank teller, whether that's a fast food person, or whether that's a taxi or Uber driver, whether that's an HEB cashier, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or you know, you are to glorify God 
work can make us more like Jesus mm-hmm. if, if, if we live his way. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul is teaching us. He's using the most extreme example, um, but then he's allowing us to see um, that no matter what we do in our work, we can be formed and become more like Jesus. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Really, that's good to, to point out here. Let's jump in. There's kind of in this uh, passage, Ephesians 6, there's, uh, Sean, you did a great job identifying kind of five key kind of highlights as far as ways in which we can work uh, in, in the workplace. And then there's even two kind of towards the end related to masters. But uh, some of these blur together here. Like I think about the first two talking about we want to work with a deep respect and then with a pure heart and a good attitude. Um, something that came up in my community group discussion just this week was how, countercultural that is because I think about uh, particularly me being young it's like you know respect needs to be earned so you kind of wait until your boss and then as soon as your boss loses it then then you're out you know you have the freedom to just check out or or even a pure heart and a good attitude it's well as long as you're getting you know right or if they're holding their end of the deal there's so much contingencies and yet I think about this passage and what Paul's writing is that we are to uh, work with these attitudes and this heart just from the beginning just with no questions asked what is so significant about that and even just how do we go about maintaining that order just on a day-to-day basis especially in tough work environments yeah, I think those three things blur together, but there is some distinction in that uh, with a pure heart means internally, where, where are we when we show up to work? Mm-hmm. And uh, man, if first and foremost, our job is, if we, if we think we show, we're showing up to work in order to evaluate our boss and see if they're worthy of respect, mm-hmm. then we don't have a pure heart. We've already violated That's That's the good. first part. You want to go in with a pure heart. And then second, out of that pure heart, a good attitude should be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Man, it, the research is overwhelming in how contagious our attitude is, particularly in a work environment or yeah. even in a family environment, but in close proximity to others. And so, man, if we have a good attitude that flows from that pure heart, we're going to influence the people around us and kind of rally them to enjoy what's going on and work a little bit harder. And then from that pure heart, good attitude, then that can lead into this deep respect, which is how you actually speak about, think about, and talk about speak, talk, same thing, uh, you know, interact with mm-hmm. y- your boss with that level of respect. And I think I might have mentioned this when I was teaching, but this idea of respecting people in authority because they're in authority yeah. more than just yeah. because of maybe some of their actions or their attitudes is something that's getting lost in our yeah. culture. And, it, and it's a shame. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually wanted to, to ask that real quick. As far as why do you think that is, you mentioned that as that could be a whole tangent and we don't have to spend too much time, but this is the place to have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Where, How do you think we got there? And then even just as believers, how do we kind of uh, prevent ourselves from going down that same path? Well, there's just a general, you know, you grow up kind of with this desire to rebel a little bit. That's part of, you know, us pushing up against uh, growing up and, and becoming more mature and, establishing independence. But when that pushing crosses a line and then we start becoming disrespectful to things and it's everywhere. I mean, in my family, I remember, man, we had this big discussion one day not too long ago with the kids because they kept calling police popo everywhere. Yeah. There's the popo. Yeah, the there's popo. the popo. Yeah. I don't even know where that came from. I mean, I'm sure you guys could yeah. tell me where popo comes Movies, from. Video games. But I'm like, no, we're I don't that doesn't sound positive and uplifting to me. These people are law enforcement officers that are doing their best to serve and protect. And regardless of what, you know, there's a few that don't do that well, they're all worthy of our respect because of the position they play and the danger they put themselves (laughs) in and what they do uh, for all of us. And yeah, we can rebel a little bit and, and question authority but at the same time, we need to respect positions and places um, 
got to get that back or else we lose all civility in our culture in general. Yeah, and Jesus is calling us to lead, even when we're not leaders, even when we're not in those positions, lead. And you lead with love. You lead with respect. You lead by uh, recognizing that uh, God is fully in control so you can trust him. And you're in that position, again, because this is an opportunity for you, for me, to be formed by this experience. And uh, Sean, I mean, your kids... uh, Kate is, is an adult, <laughs> graduated from college, and he still calls me sir. <laughs> you know, so you, you've ingrained that in your kids. And I've also talked to Kate, please don't say sir. Uh, you don't need to say yes, sir, to me. You can just say, yeah, man. <laughs> he also likes making you feel older, probably. Uh, <laughs> this is a problem. That's disrespectful. <laughs> so the bottom line is, as Christians, we can make a difference. We can be the difference makers mm-hmm. in our jobs as we treat people differently. I think about, um, you know, a job that I had that was very bureaucratic. A lot of, you know, um, position, a lot of numbers at- attached to how long you've been there, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there was so much grumbling about, you know, every day, how you doing? Oh, four more days till Friday. How you doing? Oh, three more days till Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Friday came and there was really not a big difference mm-hmm. in anybody's attitude. So he's saying, have, have a good attitude. If you're a believer, see that, that there's more to life than just your job. Yeah. And, and I think all of those things help us see uh, our jobs and in, 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 in God's perspective and and then we are the ones that are called to lead first and love first and, and be this example for, like you said, Sean, I mean, there's, there are so many that, that work around us that, that need to see hope and, and somebody live differently. Yeah, and talk about living differently. You respect somebody in authority, it has, it's going to stand out in the workplace That's today. Right. Somebody's going to ask you, why are you respecting that jerk? He's treating you bad or, you know, he's got these oppressive conditions. And, you know, and they're like, why in the world would you show him any respect? And that's when you get to say, well... It's because I'm really respecting Jesus, who's my ultimate authority, yeah. and he's yeah. put him in authority. I mean, what a great chance to, to answer a question. You're going to look different if you treat your leadership with respect these days. Verse 8 there, uh, t- Taylor, you're probably going to move on, but I just wanted to add no, this. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So God sees the the injustice there, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I can think of that example, Sean, and then think, but doesn't God want me to stand up? You know, doesn't God want me to stand up for what is right? And he does, and you should. Um, and, and he will open up opportunities for you to do that. And also he will see the times that you stay quiet mm-hmm. and and the way that you respect those that may not deserve it, but because you're doing it for Jesus, um, he, he will reward. How? I don't know. <laughs> that's up to God. Yeah. Uh, but but this is a promise. He will. Yeah. No, that's perfect. That was actually one of the three as far as talking about just not performing just to make a good impression, but working uh, unto the Lord. Uh, there's one piece, Sean, you mentioned in your message, just this idea of wholehearted serving and working wholeheartedly. Uh, you love that word you said just in general, but I think about someone listening and even for myself, I was hearing that. And what would maybe be some ways in which if someone wanted to do kind of an analysis, like a hard analysis, just to see, okay, am I working wholeheartedly? What are maybe some uh, either warning signs that they may notice or just areas in which they could see how they could improve to kind of become more of a wholehearted worker. That's good. The burnout is a big deal in the workplace. And a lot of us deal with that or avoid that by um, not being wholehearted, by being half-hearted in in our work or our effort. Um, If if you're wholehearted, you're going to care. It's, it's going to matter to you, no matter what you're doing. If you're flipping burgers, you're going to care that you turn out a good burger, not just how many you turn out 
you know, per right. hour. Yeah. If you're doing any other menial task or insignificant thing, uh, so the, really the determinant is, you know, does this matter to me? Do I do I care? That's how you know. I mean, if you're you can again physically show up. It's great, but that didn't mean you're wholehearted. You can mentally problem solve and make sure you get the right number of burgers flipped in an hour. Um, but it, the emotional part of it, the wholeheartedness that God's calling us to is you need to care about what you're doing. Yeah. And it needs to matter to you. And, and if you're not doing it well, you need to catch yourself and be like, I got to hold myself to a higher standard. And when you are doing well, you got to celebrate that and be excited about that and rally the people around you to engage themselves fully in what's going on. I think about something that just in our culture, particularly for I think my generation, but also just in general, the um, just the the lie that the grass is always greener somewhere else, or just even that the next step up the ladder is way better than where you're at. And so I was just thinking about this this week about how much discontentment plays into my uh, ability to be wholehearted or not. Because if I'm just you know believing the lie that this isn't where I'm supposed to be and there's somewhere better for me, then it's very hard for me to show up and give it my hundred percent. Uh, when I'm either hoping or wishing I was somewhere else. So I think even just that concept of contentment is so key that I've tried to instill and yeah. and just in no, no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing because I just see how so easy is it for me to be tempted just to think that, um, yeah, this, this may be okay, but I'm really trying to get to the next place. And that just prevents me from being present where I'm at. That's absolutely true. We have our Luckily, we have our theologian here with us, and Jose, we are our Bible expert, so he could tell me where this is found. But the principle is true, right? It's like those who are faithful with little um, are then entrusted with more, correct? I mean, I don't know, it's something along yes. those lines. Yes. See, Jose, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Jesus said that, Sean, and I'm not a Bible expert. I am a Bible reader okay. and, a, and a Bible learner, and so are you. And <laughs> See, you, oh, you accurately quoted Jesus with that. I mean, attributed that to Jesus, but that's the principle, right? I mean, he, yes. God is yeah. watching. And that's if right. we're content and, we're, and if we're faithful where we are, that's how we get noticed. And that's how we get moved up to the next level of responsibility or opportunity. Um, slacking where you are and waiting for the next thing is not the best formula to get you to the best next thing. It's mm -hmm. going to get you to another thing, but it's probably not going to be better. Yeah. We touched on how hard it is for us to understand submission in our culture. I mean, this is another example. We're under Ephesians 5 that says, uh, 521, right? Um, submit, to, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this is a big one for us to practice in the workplace, mm -hmm. trusting that God will open up doors at the right time, at the right place. I can say that in my life, I have been frustrated with where I have been career-wise. And then I look at how God opened up doors at the right time, not at my timing, uh, even maybe not the doors that I would have liked for him to, to open. Um, but the Lord loves promoting the faithful. He really sees uh, when we um, uh, are obedient to him and, and he rewards us. Again, that's not monetary, that's not monetarily only, that, that, that's not prosperity, right? Um, but, but it is with his peace, it is with influence, how we're able to influence others. And um, that's the really beautiful thing about submission. Jesus said it in Mark 10 to his disciples. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, the world lords over you know, those that they have an authority, but not so with you when they wanted, um, when the Zebedee brothers wanted to be on Jesus's right and to his left, you should be the servant. You should be, the greater you are at serving, the, the higher you will go. Mm -hmm. So that's our call is to serve one another and come under. 
I love that you transitioned to that. I know we've got a little time left. And I, I, I do think that we've got to look at the other part of this passage, and that is there's there's even more responsibility given to people who are Correct. in leadership yeah. and, and the willingness to submit in, in leadership yeah. to the ultimate leader mm-hmm. of Christ and his authority in our life and the responsibility of being a leader um, to, to really take care of the people yeah. and shepherd the people that we're responsible for. My dad did an amazing job at this in my life, and I've talked before about how he was my hero, but he cared so much about the people that worked for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Friday afternoon, him coming to uh, home, and, and he's like, hey, let's go watch a football game, high school game. I was like, that sounds great. And we lived in East Houston on Interstate 10, way on the east side. And we drove, and I started counting stadiums as we were passing them. I'm like, there's one, Dad, there's one, Dad, there's one. And, you know, I don't know how many, every one in Houston we passed because we ended up in Hempstead on the west side of Houston, uh, 60-something miles away, and go into this game to watch. Uh, and I said, who are we watching? He said, well, this guy's my iron worker, and he's been telling cool. me how great his son is. And cool. we sat beside the guy, you know, that made an hourly wage far below my dad's. But uh, he engaged him and connected with him and watched his son and cheered him on. And uh, I learned right then and there, man, there, there's no and there's no favoritism with Christ and there's yeah. no favoritism with a great leader. Everyone's treated the same mm-hmm. and honor and dignity and respect are given to people because they're children of God, not because of their position. And uh, I, I'm thankful to have watched him lead that way. I want, I want to do better with mm-hmm. that. I think about both of y'all as those that kind of humble leader that acknowledges that uh, there is someone above you and higher than you, even in roles in which you are the top guy in the role organization. How do you continue to have that humble posture? Uh, when I'm sure it could be easy to start letting that get to your head and just start to think that these people are, are here to serve you or these people are here to work for you. And so uh, that may impact the way you treat them or the way you think about them. What are ways, just even encouragement to leaders out there that, uh, that you just remind yourself that you're ultimately uh, submitting to, to one There's above been you? been a, a cheesy... Um advertisement, you know, Christian movement called I am second, but it's so true. If you realize that you are second as a follower of Jesus, you are a follower first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you continue to follow Jesus. He will continue to lead you as you lead others. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's simple, uh, but it's so true for me. Jesus is my leader. He's the one that I look to and uh, the one that leads me through every uh, day and season. So, yeah, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, somebody that was in the service on Sunday sent uh, a message to Christine, and she forwarded it to me, and it says that leader is mentioned only six times in the Bible in the King James Version. Servant is mentioned over 900 times. There you go. So the question is, why are we doing so many leadership conferences? Why are we not doing some more servant uh, conferences? Because that's, that's really yeah. ultimately what we're doing is serving the Lord in whatever level of responsibility He gives us. But being able to to shepherd and care for people um, is one of the most powerful things you can do in your time on earth. And if you get if your work allows you to do that, then I would hope you would take it very seriously. That's so good. Great conversation today. Great message on Sunday, Sean. Jose, would love to give you the final word as we cap off this and look forward to just two more weeks. Two more weeks. Uh, we're gonna get real. We talked about submission. Now we're gonna be talking about the armor of God, how to be strong in the Lord. So I feel like that's a, a good concluding um passage to look forward to this coming week before we close the series the following week. I'm excited. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations 
at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.